It's February 16th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and today we are beginning a brand new book in the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is where, if you're not careful, uh, the one-year Bible can, can start to get difficult. Up to this point, we've had a lot of narrative, Genesis cool, Exodus cool, and then you get to Leviticus, and it's like, what in the world? A lot of random rules and animals getting killed. And um, what I what I want you to do uh, is journey along with me, uh, because I truly believe that there is much more to this book uh, than what meets the eye. It's very rich, and uh, I, I'll try to point it out as I can. I recently preached through Leviticus, uh, and so I'm not going to preach sermons, but. I will, along the way, try to help us see things that are there, because even in Leviticus, we could see a lot of glorious truth. And so it begins by saying this, verse 1 of chapter 1, The Lord called Moses from the tabernacle. And you see how it says that? Like it's a continuation of a story? It is a continuation of a story. So if you remember yesterday, we ended Exodus, God with his people, after um, being uh, sent out of slavery uh, from the Egyptians and now these people are together and God is their king. And so what do you what do they do? They don't know. God is setting up a brand new world order. We we know what it's like to live under Pharaoh, but how what does it look like to live under God? Well, God's about to show them. And the Levitical law, the commands are uh, going to give us insight into what God values from his people. He's setting up a brand new type of society, type of society that is not seen anywhere else in the world. This is going to be a society that follows God's rules under God's commands. What is God's community supposed to look like? So, let's jump in. Chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord called to Moses from the tabernacle and said to him, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you present an animal as an offering to the Lord, you may take it from your herd of cattle or your flock of sheep and goats. If the animal you present as a burnt offering is from the herd, it must be a male with no defects. Bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle so you may be accepted by the Lord. Lay your hand on the animal's head, and the Lord will accept its death in your place to purify you, making you right with him. Then slaughter the young bull in the Lord's presence, and Aaron's sons, the priest, will present the animal's blood by splattering it against all sides of the altar that stands at the entrance to the tabernacle. Then skin, skin the animal and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priest, will build a wood fire on the altar. They will arrange the pieces of the offering, including the head and fat, on the wood burning on the altar. But the internal organs and legs must first be washed with water. Then the priest will burn the entire sacrifice on the altar as a burnt offering. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If the animal you present as a burnt offering is from the flock, it may be either a sheep or a goat, but it must be a male with no defects. Slaughter the animal on the north side of the altar in the Lord's presence, and Aaron's sons, the priest, will splatter its blood against all sides of the altar. Then cut the animal in pieces, and the priest will arrange the pieces of the offering, including the head and fat, on the wood burning on the altar. But the internal organs and the legs must first be washed with water. Then the priest will burn the entire sacrifice on the altar as a burnt offering. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If you present a bird as a burnt offering to the Lord, choose either a turtle dove or a young pigeon. The priest will take the bird to the altar, wring off its head, and burn it on the altar. But first he must drain its blood against the side of the altar. 
You guys hanging in there? That's the first 15 verses of Leviticus. A lot of blood. Verse 16. The priest must also remove the crop and the feathers and throw them into the ashes on the east side of the altar. Then, grasping the bird by its wings, the priest will tear the bird open, but without tearing it apart. Then he will burn it as a burnt offering on the wood burning on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. That was our first offering. And um, what in the world is going on there? And what you need to know about this offering and the next offering is they are thanksgiving offerings. Uh, it's, it's the people saying, we are so grateful to God. We are so glad that God is our God. He's freed us from slavery. He's building a new community. How can we show our gratitude towards God? And it's, it's by giving up of something. So there you go. Two, two offerings right there. Praise offerings. Uh, and now uh, when we give and we worship God, it's not because God needs it, but it's because we're, we're so grateful, right? And that's exactly what's going on here. So chapter 2 now, verse 1. This is the grain offering. Another offering that they didn't have to give, but they wanted to give it as an offering. Chapter 2, verse 1. When you present grain as an offering to the Lord, the offering must consist of choice flour. You are to pour olive oil on it, sprinkle it with frankincense, and bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest. The priest will scoop out a handful of flour, moistened with oil, together with all the frankincense, and burn this representative portion on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering will then be given to Aaron and his sons. This offering will be considered a most holy part of the special gifts presented to the Lord. If your offering is a grain offering baked in an oven, it must be of choice flour, but without any yeast. It may be presented in the form of thin cakes mixed with olive oil or wafers spread with the olive oil. If your grain offering is cooked on a griddle, it must be made of choice flour mixed with olive oil, but without any yeast. Break it in pieces and pour olive oil on it. It is a grain offering. If your grain offering is prepared in a pan, it must be made of choice flour and olive oil. No matter how a grain offering for the Lord has been prepared, bring it to the priest who will present it at the altar. The priest will take a representative portion of the grain offering and burn it on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering will then be given to Aaron and his sons as their food. The offering will be considered a most holy part of the special gifts presented to the Lord. Do not use yeast in preparing any of the grain offerings you present to the Lord, because no yeast or honey may be burned as a special gift presented to the Lord. You may add yeast and honey to an offering of the first crops of your harvest, but these must never be offered on the altar as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Season all your grain offerings with salt to remind you of God's eternal covenant. Never, to, never forget to add salt to your grain offerings. If you present a grain offering to the Lord from the first portion of your harvest, bring fresh grain that is coarsely ground and roasted on a fire. Put olive oil on this grain offering and sprinkle it with frankincense. The priest will take a representative portion of the grain and moisten it with oil together with all frankincense and burn it as a special gift presented to the Lord. So that's the end of chapter 2. And it says the two things that you, you really have to do with this Thanksgiving offering is number one, make sure it doesn't have any yeast and number two, make sure it does have salt. Now, that might mean nothing to you until we turn to the New Testament and we see Jesus. And he says, the yeast of the Pharisees, the yeast of the Pharisees, the yeast in their worship is hypocrisy. Yeah. See, so even here, the, the, Jesus takes this text from Leviticus and he says that the yeast, the yeast of today's yeast, we don't, we don't make offerings like this. What's our yeast? Our yeast is hypocrisy. Raising your hands in worship on Sunday and then cursing at your neighbor on Monday or giving money and claiming to be righteous and, and, and yet you're 
uh, greedy and gossiping the next day, right? It's, it's yeast, it's hypocrisy. And then salt. The salt uh, signifies the covenant of the Lord, which gives uh, really powerful meaning when Jesus says in the New Testament, what good is salt if salt has lost its saltiness? There's no salt in the covenant, and it's not a covenant at all. Yeah, that's, that'd be terrifying to hear. Yeah, and that comes from Leviticus. That makes sense if you don't know Leviticus. So anyways, chapter 3, moving on. Now, this is the peace offering. The peace offering is not an offering that was um, you know, something you, you did if you wanted. The other offerings were you did them if you wanted to out of worship. This, this is where we begin to get into the offerings where uh, they're required uh, because we have sinned against the holy God. So chapter 3, verse 1. If you present an animal from the herd as a peace offering to the Lord, it may be a male or a female, but it must have no defects. Lay your hand on the animal's head and slaughter it at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then Aaron's sons, the priest, will splatter its blood against all sides of the altar. The priest must present part of this peace offering as a special gift to the Lord. This includes all the fat around the internal organs and the two kidneys and the fat around them near the loins and the long lobe of the liver. These must be removed with the kidneys, and Aaron's sons will bring them on top of the burnt offering on the wood burning on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If you present an animal from the flock as a peace offering to the Lord, it may be a male or a female, but it must have no defects. If you present a sheep as your offering, bring it to the Lord. Lay your hand on its head and slaughter it in front of the tabernacle. Aaron's sons will then splatter the sheep's blood against all sides of the altar. The priest must present the fat of this peace offering as a special gift to the Lord. This includes the fat of the broad tail cut off near the backbone, all the fat around the internal organs, the two kidneys, and the fat around them near the loins and the long lobe of the river. Of the liver, not the river. <laughs> These must be removed with the kidneys, and the priest will burn them on the altar. It is a special gift of food presented to the Lord. If you present a goat as your offering, bring it to the Lord. Lay your hand on its head and slaughter it in front of the tabernacle. You'll notice it keeps saying, lay your hand on its head. Why? Well, we don't really know, um, but uh, what most uh, scholars have uh, believed is because it's the transfer of sin. You're taking, you know, you, you, it's a representation of my sins are now being laid on this animal, which is being slaughtered. Anyways, continuing on in verse 13. Aaron's sons will then splatter the goat's blood against all sides of the altar. The priest must present part of this offering as a special gift to the Lord. This includes all the fat around the internal organs, the two kidneys, and the fat around them near the loins and the long lobe of the liver. These must be removed with the kidneys, and the priest will burn them on the altar. It is a special gift of food, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. All the fat belongs to the Lord. You must never eat any fat or blood. This is a permanent law for you. It must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. That concludes our Old Testament reading. You might be wondering, why could they not eat fat or blood? Well, uh, to the Israelites, the fat was the best part. So the best belongs to the Lord. And blood is what? Blood represents life. God is the God of life. Life is his to give and take. So you uh, don't get to be one who... Uh, partakes in life that belongs to the Lord alone. We'll see a lot more of that theme as it develops. But see, see, even in Leviticus, there's themes that run throughout the Bible that you're like, man, this is boring. But if you just look a little deeper, you see these themes that run throughout the Bible. Yeah, so I'll try to show you those as we go through. If you're interested, uh, you can look up my Leviticus sermon series. 
uh, at the Ascent Church podcast. I'd love for you to listen to that. It is free, and some people say you get what you pay for, but uh, it might help you understand this a little bit better as we read through it in the one-year Bible. Now, moving on to the New Testament. Mark chapter 1, verse 29 through chapter 2, verse 12. Mark chapter 1, verse 29. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away, so he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, We must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Moving into chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this up in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 13 through 18. Proverbs 9, verse 13. The woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, Stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes the best. But little do they know that the dead are in there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. Wow, deep proverb. Moving into our psalm of the day, Psalm 35, and we'll be reading 17 through 28. So it's a bit longer of a reading today, and I'll read the whole thing and pray at the end. So verses 17 through 28 in the 35th psalm, beginning with verse 17. 
How long, O Lord, will you look on and do nothing? Rescue me from their fierce attacks. Protect my life from these lions. Then I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before all the people. Don't let my treacherous enemies rejoice over my defeat. Don't let those who hate me without cause gloat over my sorrow. They don't talk of peace. They plot against innocent people who mind their own business. They shout, Aha, aha! With our own eyes, we saw him do it. O Lord, you know all about this. Don't stay silent. Do do not abandon me now, O Lord. Wake up. Rise to my defense. Take up my case, my God and my Lord. Declare me not guilty, O Lord, for you give justice. Don't let my enemies laugh about me in my trouble. Don't let them say, Look, we've got what we wanted. Now we will eat him alive. May those who rejoice at my troubles be humiliated and disgraced. May those who triumph over me be covered with shame and dishonor. But give great joy to those who came to my defense. Let them continually say, Great is the Lord who delights in blessing his servant with peace. Then I will proclaim your justice, and I will praise you all day long. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that through Jesus you have counted me innocent. Uh, Lord, I am not one who deserves to be counted innocent on my own works, but through what he has done for me on the cross, uh, my sin has been atoned for. And, uh, Lord, I pray that in my offering there wouldn't be any yeast, there wouldn't be hypocrisy. And I pray, uh, Lord, that I would always be one who gave uh, the fat, who gave you my first and my best. Um, Lord, because you deserve, you deserve that, you deserve all that I have. Lord, thank you for the salt of the covenant you've given me in Jesus that I can rest confidently in, knowing that on behalf of Jesus' works, I am made righteous. Lord, I love you and I praise you. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for today's reading and I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.